0: You can join me in the book of Proverbs. We'll start in Proverbs 12 this morning. Proverbs chapter 12, we're spending our time this fall semester in this book that wants to train us in wisdom and wants to help us walk a path with God and towards the life that God designs and desires for us. And so, the first part of the series, we uh, looked uh, at the first nine chapters and, and kind of painted with some broad brushstrokes. We uh, uh, painted, looked at the bigger picture of wisdom, and and now beginning the second part of the series this morning, we're going to dig into the second part of the book, uh, which is essentially just a collection of a ton of sayings, uh, proverbs, sayings that uh, that speak to all. Old- sorts of topics and ideas and uh, areas of our lives. And so we're going to pick some major ones, uh, some major topics that so the book of Proverbs applies wisdom to uh, for our lives. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to start with the topic of words. And so I'm going to read two clusters that are I think, uh, think are characteristic of Proverbs' message about words uh, and begin in, in chapter 12 and then go to uh, chapter 15. So Proverbs chapter 12. Uh, Verse 13, hear now the word of the Lord. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. And then go with me uh, now uh, to chapter 15. Chapter 15, and I'll I'll read the first eight verses. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Let's pray. Father, we come in prayer to you and know that in ourselves we are not acceptable, but in Jesus we are welcomed, that our prayers do rise before you and you take delight in them, and so we pray now asking you to help us with what we have read, help us now as we consider what your word has to say about our words, about how we talk. We know that there is abundant wisdom here and that that abundant wisdom teaches us life. Um, But you know that we are sometimes stubborn, sometimes foolish. And so we ask that you would soften our hearts in our confusion. Would you give us understanding? In our rebellion, would you give us humility to open our eyes and our ears and hearts to receive your word and be changed by it? We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm rubber. But you're glue. What you say bounces off me and sticks to you. You know, maybe, maybe you wish that those, those rhymes, those children's rhymes were true, but they're not, Right? Those rhymes are not true. Uh, They are false, and they are not only false, they are also dangerous. And they are dangerous because they minimize the capacity of one word, one phrase, to change someone's life for good or for ill. Every one of us in this room, we, we all have sounds bouncing around in our heads. Things that have been said about us, things that have been said to us, that definitively shape how we live in positive ways and in negative ways. And those, those children's rhymes, they are not only... False, they are not only dangerous, but they are in direct opposition to what Proverbs has to say about how we talk. They are foolish. This book in no way minimizes the power of words, this book talks a ton. A ton. It is one of the major topics of Proverbs. A ton about how we talk, about what we say, about what we don't say and what we shouldn't say, about when we should speak and how we should speak. This book doesn't minimize the power of our words. As Proverbs longs to lead us on the path of life, it addresses our mouths. And so this morning, wise words in two parts, potential and use. What can they do and how should we use them? First of all, the potential of our words. And as always uh, with Proverbs, we must attend to the images And there is a powerful one there in chapter 12, verse 18. Words can be like the thrust of a sword. Words can be like a slashing blade. And understand that this image isn't drawn from Ivy League fencing with the bee mask. (laughs) This image comes from the brutality of the ancient battlefield. That's what words can do. There's another common image. We didn't read it, but it's found in chapter 16 among other places. And it is speech as a scorching, destructive fire. It's an image the New Testament picks up. The New Testament book of James takes that image of fire and what our words, what our speech can do, how destructive it can be, even in the Christian community. In short, words are terrifyingly, can be terrifyingly destructive. Words have the power of death, chapter 18, 21 says. Words have the power of death, and that's not just a psychological or relational harm. That's physical. Words have started wars, right? Words have started wars in which millions of people have died. Language is at the core of social fracturing and division. Remember the Tower of Babel? You remember that story from the book of Genesis? Genesis? Humanity gets together and they decide they are going to build a stairway to heaven. They are going to reach up to the skies. And how does God judge their arrogance? Uh, Much less their questionable taste in music. How, How does God judge their arrogance? He confuses languages, right? And so instead of one humanity, we now have many, often warring nations. That's what words can do. What comes out of your mouth has the power of death, which is scary, right? <laughs> What should we do? Should we we just stop talking because of the destructive potential of our words? Well, no, because in Proverbs, right alongside these ugly, scary images, there are beautiful and positive ones as well. All throughout these books, words are compared to fresh water springs, fountains of life, they are called. And we need to remember the climate of Proverbs. This book emerges from a very dry and arid place. And so fresh springs and wells, they are essential. They are a big deal. And not just for the individual, but for communities, towns, cities, civilizations were built and sustained around these water sources. That's what words can do. You see, chapter 18, 20, 21 says words not only have the power of death, they also have the power of life. And what's the contrast there in chapter 12, verse 18, to the slashing sword of words? It is that the tongue of the wise can bring healing. That's what words do do they have the power not only of death but of life and that is not just bare survival a proverb says that words can also be like a honeycomb they can be like dessert sweet and perhaps the most powerful image among all of the ones we've mentioned so far is there in chapter 15 verse 4 words can be a tree Of life. You know. Like the tree of life. In the garden of Eden. The tree of life. With fruit. When all the world was as it should be. Before sin broke it all. That tree of life. That was there. When humanity lived in perfect harmony. With each other. With God. And with all of creation. Your Words can be a taste of that, Proverbs tells us. What comes out of your mouth today, this week, can be a taste of the tree of life. Do you have that kind of imagination? For what you say. On a daily basis. You see I think. So often. What's wrong with what we say. With how we talk. Is that we miss. The potential. Of our words. We forget that. When we talk. We are wielding sharpened blades. And yes. Knives. They can harm. They can kill. But you know what else? Knives can help prepare a delicious meal. A surgeon's scalpel can save a life. That's what your words can do. Don't underestimate the potential of the sounds that come out of your mouth today. Tomorrow, throughout this week, that underestimation, it can go in two directions. On the one hand, we can underestimate the harm and we can speak without thought. We can speak without consideration of the impact, the negative impact that our words can have. But you know what? There was a mistake on the other side as well. And perhaps because of my temperament as a a quieter person, this is where I tend to go. And that mistake is missing the life-giving potential of words. It is missing that when I talk, it can be a taste of the tree of life and choosing to remain silent when I should speak of missing the reality that the people around me, the people around you every day are hungry. They are starving for life-giving words from you. Words of affirmation, words of encouragement, even words of correction. The people around you are hungry to taste the tree of life through what you say. Don't miss that potential. Don't underestimate that power. But, of course, the question becomes, okay, but how? How? How does that happen? How can our words become a... Taste of the tree of life. And so we need not only to talk about the potential of our words, but we need to talk about the use of our words, how we should use speech in our lives. And while Proverbs does not teach absolute silence, it does teach that wise speaking begins in silence. Wise speaking begins. Begins in silence. It says even a fool is considered wise if he chooses not to talk in some situations. Wise speech begins in silence. Silence allows us to do two things. First, it allows us to listen. What did chapter 12 said? It says a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man, what does he do? He listens to advice. Silence allows us to. To listen, and it also allows us to wait. Silence allows us to pause, to wait before we speak. Chapter 12, verse 18. What type of words are like sword thrusts? Rash words. Words spoken without consideration. Words spoken without a thought to their impact. And so, why speaking begins in silence. Why speaking begins in listening and waiting. But what about when it's time to talk? Well, when it is time to speak, Proverbs both warns and promotes. It warns against some types of speech and, and promotes other types of speech. And what I want to do this morning is I want to mention two on each side. There are a lot more, which is an encouragement to you to dig into these sayings for yourself. But let me mention two on each side, two negative, two positive. First of all, on the negative side, first, we should avoid deceit. We should avoid deceit. Lying lips, chapter 12 says, they're not only harmful to the speaker... They're not only harmful to the listener, they are an abomination to the Lord. They are an abomination to God, which is about as strong a condemnation as it gets in the Bible. We should avoid language that distorts reality. Second, on the negative side, we should avoid deceit. We should also avoid gossip should avoid gossip. You see, in gossip, you can tell the truth. You can actually avoid deceit with gossip. You just tell it to the wrong person. A friend of mine defines gossip as confessing other people's sin when they're not there. And we love it, don't we? We love it. We love gossip. Come on, be honest. You love it. You know you do. There's a character in the book of Proverbs called the whisperer. And and Proverbs says the the words of the whisperer, they are like delicious morsels. They taste really, really good. But, of course, when we swallow gossip, it's like a time bomb. And eventually, it blows up. It blows up families. It blows up friendships. And it blows up church communities. Right? Center point. Gossip will destroy this church. Chapter 27 of Proverbs says that when you remove the words of the whisperer, it's like taking wood away from the fire so let's make sure that we are siphoning off the fuel of gossip in our community. Okay, so that's the negative side. Deceit and gossip. What about the positive side? Let me mention two. Proverbs promotes, first of all, gentle speech. Gentle words. Did you notice it there in 15.4? Words that are like a tree of life. Words that are a taste of the Garden of Eden. What are they? They are gentle words. The adjectives gentle and soft are the most common adjectives attached to the nouns of wise speech in the book of Proverbs. That is not to say that we should not correct. That is not to say that we should not confront. Proverbs values reproof. It values instruction and correction. What it does say is that tone matters. Tone matters. Wise speaking isn't just about what you say. It's not just about content. It is about how you say it. Why? You know this. Why? Because how you say communicates just as much, if not more, than what you say. And when you speak tenderly to someone, even if you are confronting them, when you speak tenderly, you communicate their value, you communicate their dignity. You are saying to them the truth that they are made in the image of God. And so we should speak gently. And then secondly, we should speak aptly. Aptly. Chapter 25 says this as words fitly spoken. This is the idea that not just content matters, not just tone matters, but context matters as well. Context and timing. This is the idea of a great comedian knowing the exact moment to drop the punchline. Aptness. The right word in the right situation. What this means is that you need to get curious about the people around you. You need to get curious about your friends. You need to get curious about your spouse, your children. And you need to understand what Types of communication connect with them. You need to begin to understand those times when you need to speak directly and those times when you need to ask a question and just listen. Act communication. It's, and this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, just going to be honest. But, but this, this speaks to uh, times of grief. When people are grieving, they have a tragedy happen to them. And you come in contact with them. At speech means that you don't whip Romans 8 out in the immediate situation. You don't whip out, hey, you just lost a loved one. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Now that's true. It is true that all things work together for good. It's not the time for it. The time for it is later. And so Proverbs commends for us at speech. It says in verse 25, a word is fitly spoken. It's like apples of gold in settings of silver. It is exquisite craftsmanship. We should become artisans with our words. Desiring and designing to bring beauty into the lives of the people around us. To bring the right word at the right time that communicates, that connects to the people around us. And underlying all these different types of speech, what unifies them and clarifies them is the question of motivation. So whether it's about deceit, gossip, whether it's about gentle speech, whether it's about apt speech, appropriate speech, here's the question that underlines all of it. Are my words being used as swords or scaffolds? Am I speaking to attack or to heal? Am I speaking to compete and win the argument? Or am I speaking to refresh with the truth? Do my words in their content, tone, and context express love for God and love for my neighbor as myself. Which is so discouraging to me. Isn't that intimidating? Isn't that overwhelming? How in the world do we get there? If I measure my week by that standard, I'm lost. Let's be honest. So how do we get there? How do we deal with our significant failures in our speech? And how do we deal with our deep need for transformation for our words? Well, let me ask you this way. How do babies learn to talk? How do babies learn to talk? Babies learn to speak by being spoken too, right? It's the same for us. It's the same for you. It's the same for your words. Your words be- will become tastes of the tree of life. As you hear not only words about wisdom, but a word from the one who is the source of wisdom. That's what... That's where you will learn to speak well. To speak in life-giving ways is by hearing from God. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, it tells us that God has talked in a lot of ways throughout history. He's talked through the prophets. He has talked to the wise men and women of Proverbs. But for us, for now, ultimately, Finally, how has He spoken to us in His Son, Jesus? The Word of God become flesh. God speaks to us in a life-giving, transformative way through His Son, Jesus, who throughout His life and in His death, He suffered the ultimate wickedness and evil of human speaking. Although innocent, he was slandered. He was mocked. He was condemned. But all throughout his life, in his death, in his resurrection, he proclaims, embodies, and enacts A better word. The refreshing message of God's kingdom come. The renewing message of healing for sinners like you and me. The refreshing message of transformation for fools like you and me. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, you remember what happened? He poured out his spirit on the church. remember that? He poured out his spirit on the disciples at Pentecost. And what is the sign of the spirit descending onto the people of Jesus? Tongues of fire. Which empower them, empower us to speak a refreshing message. A renewing message, the message of the gospel. And do you remember those tongues enabled those disciples to speak that message in all of the languages that were present before them? So that that message could be heard by all nations, the judgment of Babel being overcome. Human language creating harmony rather than dissonance. That's the hope for your words. That's the hope for how you talk. Because in Jesus, there is forgiveness for the many sins of your mouth and my mouth. And there is the very indwelling presence of God empowering our speech, empowering our words, to taste like the tree of life, to echo a garden of Eden. And so this week, let's repent, let's confess a lot about how we sin with our words but let's not just do that Let's also turn to jesus and let's listen to him and from him let's learn the accent of god's grace towards us let's pray